is episode 64 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the Supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, and uh, it's good to be back talking, not Lost Girl tonight, but uh, something that I think we both enjoyed and, and hopefully the fans will, and that is Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah, it's not a far cry. We mentioned before we got the Rachel Scarston kind of link there, and uh, but uh, there's kind of thematically, and there's some yeah, there's a lot of similarities here. So I, th- I think it would be something that Lost Girl fans would enjoy. Yeah, and I mean certainly coming out of the comic book world where you were certainly involved a lot more than I was, and and obviously it was you that got me involved in watching some of these movies based on comic books that, you know, I've really enjoyed. And obviously we'll talk tonight. There, There's clearly uh, at least a tangential tie into Arrow. I mean, you, you really can't deny that. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I mean, there's the obvious Batman link there, but uh, for sure there's uh, some un- unexpected uh, links to, uh, to Arrow that we didn't yeah. really know about before. Right. But, uh, you know, in the interim, um, you know, a, a lot of shows are either – winding down or in hiatus uh, a lot of shows you know like agents of shield took this week off uh, revolutions taking next week off and then is coming back as we hit may and the end of the uh, uh, the fall season but uh, arrow was new this week and that was pretty good as always arrow uh, knocked it out of the park yeah absolutely um now did you catch the 100 yeah i just watched that last night Okay, and uh, I'm just going to guess by your reaction just now that you thought it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I liked as, it a lot. Yeah, as did I. And, um, you know, the... the uh, and I think it's just the 100, not the 100. Oh, the 100, okay. Yeah. Well, the, the uh, I, I guess what I am looking forward to finding out is what the teenagers that saw it thought of it. Because, you know, I mean, it, look, it's the CW... And uh, yeah, they they just don't have any unattractive young people in any of their shows. No, it's, it seems like the criminal element on this floating space station are all like really good looking kids. Yeah, and uh, although uh, apparently some of them were falsely falsely accused, but uh, you know it's got some promise. I mean, I, I did like it. Uh, look, it's clearly aimed at at a young audience, as was Birds of Prey that we'll, we'll get to tonight. But, you know, for, for a pilot episode, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and uh, the, the one kid who the whole time I'm like, I know him, I know him. It, you know, and I thought maybe I just, because he looks like Jimmy Fallon, I thought it was Jimmy Fallon. You know who I'm talking about? Um, the, the one kid mean, who, I don't know if I want to give a spoiler here. Cause you mean the guy with the longer hair? Who had like the, the goggles on his head? Jeff. Oh, Rowe, yeah, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Uh, he was... He, he he was in the um the the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. Oh, okay. As well, as I'm sure you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, now the one actor that we certainly know is Richard Harmon, who plays Julian Randall in yeah. Continuum. Yeah. And continuing his career as sketchy guy. Uh, I would refer to him as a dick. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. See, I think you you're biased against him. I think he has something. I, I think he annoyed you back in Caprica, and and ever since then, everything he's in, you just don't like his character. Yeah. Well, and and it, you know, it, it's funny. It'd be interesting to see what he's really like if we uh, ever get the chance to interview him. I, I happened to see an interview with Luvia Peterson uh, today, who uh, plays Garza in in. Uh, Continuum, and, and it's funny. It was a, a show called the One Question Interview, 
And, you know, the guy spends about 15 minutes talking background and stuff like that. But then he, he pulls out this deck of cards, uh, you know, not playing cards, but a, but a deck of cards. And he flips through it. And, and, right, because uh, playing he, cards would make a rubbish question. And he tells her to stop. And, you know, she calls stop. He pulls one out. And, and the question he asked her was, you know, what, what film are you embarrassed to say that you like? You know, and she got into this whole thing about how she cried. It was Bridges of Madison County, I think she said. <laughs> and, uh, uh, did you ever see that? Uh, no. Oh, it's a horrible movie. I'm surprised you've been married long enough. I'm surprised you never well, got when ro- that, roped into I, I, seeing that. I don't think, I'm not sure if we were married when that one came out, though. Uh, okay. I remember, I remember like the big, all the brouhaha about the book and, and then yeah. Clint Eastwood was in the movie, right? And everything. Yeah, well, so. let your wife know. It's on, I'm sure it's on Netflix. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let her know that at all. Yeah, um, but anyway, Olivia Peterson, who plays, you oh, know. But yeah, Bat- I saw a little Lifetime guy. I haven't had a chance to listen to that Take 5 yet, but I saw what it was about. That's hilarious. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she's apparently far from badass in right. her real life. So, yes. uh, you know, Well, she's willing anyway. to admit, she's strong enough to admit that uh, she likes Bridges of Madison County. Which Yeah. Now, the other thing is, um, and I know we talked about this the other day, but obviously since I have the memory of a flea, uh, Divergent opened on Friday. Now I have not read the book. I am. Just, I've just started book three. Okay. Um, I mean, is that something your your boys read also? Um, my oldest has, and then Brendan just tonight he announced he's going to start reading it too. That's okay. funny what a, a movie release will will do to the literary world. You know? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> hey, there is hope, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, the first book was was great. Then the second book wasn't quite as good. The story's still okay, but not nearly as good. And the third book, I'm like a couple chapters in and, and not necessarily, you know, really, it's not, not awesome. <laughs> well, but not still un- enjoyable, but, but not great. Yeah. Yeah. Not unlike the Hunger Games where the first book was really strong. The second book was pretty strong. Yeah. And the thir- third book took me a while to get through. I got about halfway through and then stopped for a while. Yeah. And they're going to make them the two movies. So I'm just like, mm, really? <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. Now, the, the last thing, and, and uh, this probably will be the subject for a, a take five somewhere down the road. But, you know, my Star Trek background is with the original Star Trek, obviously, because of when I grew up. And, and yours is more or less with uh, Next Generation, correct? Yeah. Well, I I, I mean, when I grew up, they, I, I was still watching the, the original Star Treks, but they were just in syndication. But they're on all the time. You know, it's like. Right. But you were also of an age when Next Generation was airing the first time around. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, and, and I really never watched it at that point. I just wasn't, you know, it was, ah, whatever. It was, uh, you know, the lost years. But anyway, I finally, believe it or not, got around to watching uh, the first episode, Encounter at Farpoint Part 1, for the first time ever. And, and it's pretty cool. Actually, CBS, uh, you know, uh, apparently has all seven seasons of Next Generation available online. At least that's the way it appears. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, Encounter at Farpoint had no commercials. So, that was pretty cool, but uh, uh, you know, without going too deeply into it, I was somewhat disappointed. I will just say that. Well, it, I mean, it, it did get better. Like okay. I remember the, the the first season, maybe not necessarily being super strong, but uh, I mean, that's that's just a really good show. Yeah. Well, I I think in part I had the similar reaction to your boys when you forced them to watch the original Star Trek. Yeah. Um, 
And, and, and again, it's been 27 years since that aired, so a lot has changed. But uh, again, like I said, maybe I'll save that for a take five somewhere down the road. I started making some notes on it, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, anyway, anything else before we get into Birds of Prey? Uh, I'm trying to think. I can't. Yeah, you know, like as I'm watching stuff, I'm always like, oh, yeah, we could talk about this, we talk about this. And then, like, you know, I get in front of the mic from like, duh. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I guess not. Nothing pressing, I guess. So let's move on. All right. So Birds of Prey, uh, one season, and we're going to talk about the pilot tonight, which was titled Pilot. And it originally aired on the WB October 9th, 2002. And and obviously the WB is now uh, merged with, uh, gosh, and it's escaping me what the other network it merged with, but now is uh, obviously the CW. And it ran through February of 2003, so really uh, only about five months. And the series debut brought in 7.6 million viewers, which at the time was the network's largest premiere in the 18 to 34 demographic. And, you know, those are pretty, pretty big numbers even today for the CW. I mean, you know, Arrow's not drawing that kind of numbers, and, and, and that's certainly one of their top shows yeah today those those are those are renewable numbers right there absolutely and canceled after the ratings fell sharply in subsequent weeks and 13 episodes were produced in total and and obviously our plan is to look at all 13 but like we said you know i mean if we get into episode four or five six and we're not feeling it anymore then chances are the listeners aren't either and you know we'll we'll reevaluate at that point absolutely all right so we have Obviously, the main tie-in is that Rachel Scarston, who looks like she's about 12 in this. Um, actually, I think she was about 17, maybe. I'd have to check. Yeah, she had, I don't think she looks 12. That's, that's, that's really well, a... Well, I don't know that she's... Th- is she 30 in real life? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I, if I did know, I wouldn't say it. That's not polite. Well, 29. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, 2012... I mean, that was, it was 12 years ago. So if she's 30 now, then she was 18. So regardless, she was a teenager in real life. Um, All right. So the main character is, you know, I think you would have to say is Dina Meyer. And I've loved her ever since she appeared in Starship Troopers, the Robert Heinlein novel that was made into a campy sci-fi film that that I still I mean, to me, it's a classic um you know, for I don't want to say all the wrong reasons because it was certainly enjoyable. But, but uh, you know, she plays one of the foot soldiers named Diz, and and just really awesome. Now, she plays Barbara Gordon, daughter of Police Commissioner Gordon. Uh, she was Batgirl, and is now Oracle. And what we see in Birds of Prey is that she is paralyzed from the waist down and appears in a wheelchair, a wheelchair at all times after being shot and paralyzed by Joker. Right. So, so. Which is, I mean, in, I guess it was the, the, um, oh, Rachel Scarson. What's her, what's her character's name? Dinah. Uh, D- Dinah Lance. In, in her vision, it, it seems like she got shot in the head and, and then she's like, she's not dead, but like paralyzed. So I was wondering if maybe she wasn't shot in the head. I don't know. It was just, it was kind of weird. What I read was that part of the problem that the network was having, and I don't want to say that, that this was the reason they ended up canceling it, but there was a lot of back and forth between the writers and the network about having a character in a wheelchair. 
mm-hmm. which you know, uh, uh, 2002 is not exactly the dark ages, no. you know. So, so I was really surprised to read that, and you know, y- you forget after a while that she's in the wheelchair, and and certainly there are flashbacks to her, you know, before she was shot by Joker. Right, and then the whole part where she kind of like enters the the dreamland there, and she's back in her Batgirl, and she's walking and and everything again. Right, exactly, um, and, and then certainly you know that's like a, a huge part because that that that's like part of the interplay between her and Huntress is her longing to be out there again. Um, you know, as she said, uh, you know, jumping rooftops in the moonlight or something. It's kind of poignant, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, now you mentioned Huntress, uh, Helena Kyle, played by Ashley Scott, who we find out is the daughter of Bruce Wayne. And Selena Kyle, or Catwoman, and we find out Catwoman was killed by an assassin hired by Joker. And, you know, what we find out is that, you know, the, the, the premise is that Batman has left Gotham City. Batman's left the building. Right. And that, that I guess he was, uh, I guess, so depressed after, you know, these people that were close to him were, were shot and or paralyzed that apparently he's just given up and he's left. And it, it, brings us back to the age-old question that certainly gets raised a lot in revolution it's like when you have a chance to kill the bad guy kill him because yeah. apparently batman had the chance to kill joker and he didn't he didn't do it he, let, uh, he, he obviously didn't see the previous batman movies or he would have you know he would have learned yes he let honor get in the way and then that came back to haunt him so and then we have, of course, as we've mentioned, Rachel Scarston playing Dinah Lance, who's, you mentioned her visions, and she, she uh, has these visions that draw her to New Gotham City, and we finally find out that her mother is Carolyn Lance, also known as Black Canary. Now, they form a team that we'll get to in a couple minutes, and then the fourth character that I, at least in the pilot, that, that would qualify as a major character is played by Mia Sarah. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, Harley Quinn, who was apparently Joker's lover, and she's bent on revenge, and uh, we see her as the psychiatrist that's assigned to Helena, a.k.a. Huntress, to help her with her anger management. Right. But she's kind of mean. Oh, yeah. As a psychiatrist, like, you know, I I was like, yeah, she seems like she's being awfully mean to her. And I saw the name, and it kind of, I was like, that name looks familiar. And again, I'm not, like, super up on like the dc comic world um so i didn't it didn't strike me like obviously most comic book fans would see that say oh harley quinn's a psychiatrist you know or they would probably already know that already i guess um but i just thought her bedside manner was really bad for a psychiatrist you know she was kind of of uh she was being mean to helena and then of course in the in the end when she reveals that that she's the big bad guy and I'm like, oh, well, that explains why she's such a you know, bad psychiatrist. Yeah. Although you almost think that she would try to pretend to be nicer just to throw her off. But she, I think she is trying. That's like the probably the best she can pretend. You know, like that's nice for her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, obviously, one of the questions that, that, you know, maybe we'll get answered. And again, Wayne and I have not seen anything beyond the pilot. So uh, is Rachel Scarston's character of Dinah Lance the same Dinah Lance played by Alex Kingston in Arrow, who is, of course, you know, Laurel and Sarah's mother in Arrow. 
and we don't know yet. We assume so. I, you know, I've actually looked this up before, and then I forgot. Okay, but well, there that's is, There's definitely a connection. I, I can't remember how it went. Like, if there's... I, she might be... Well, that, like, well, that would be it, a spoiler. Oh, dip, dip, right. Okay. But okay. I, don't, we're not, I don't think we're going to see Green Arrow in, in Birds of Prey, right? Uh, I have no idea. Never know. Okay. Yep. So... We'll see. Maybe, maybe a, a young Oliver Queen will will emerge in here. Yeah, somewhere. well, yeah. And uh, hopefully he'll be shirtless. Yeah, and he'll um, be doing those things with the bar that he like, yeah. you know, goes up, jumps up to the next one. The next one. Exactly. Now, uh, speaking of action sequences, the, uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of action sequences. Not, you know, certainly not as many as a show like Arrow, but they do have a comic book feel to them. And I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, it's certainly reminiscent of 1960s Batman, but certainly with higher production values. And for 2002, you know, when you, you can't help but compare it to the shows of today, the production values are pretty decent. Yeah, no, it was it, it was good. You know, you, I mean, you definitely notice it. And it's like, but, uh, you know, part of it is how they they purposefully do like the sanctuary, you know, kind of feel where they have the, the CGI backgrounds and everything. Yeah. Um, and so but it, and it just gives you that kind of comic book feel to it. Uh, and a lot of the stuff, like when they describe, whenever they show Batman, obviously it looks very comic bushy, but not, you're right, not as like the original 60s Batman series. Yeah, which you would hope. Now, all right, opening scene, it, it kind of sets the tone, and we're introduced to Helena Kyle, daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Uh, we are presented with the Batman-Joker conflict and the fact that Joker began killing clo- those close to Batman. So did you see who is the voice of the Joker? I did not. It's Mark Hamill. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of voiceover stuff now. Like, he does video games and everything. So Okay, and, and we're going to assume, don't even tell our listeners, if they don't know who Mark Hamill is, well... They, they, you can just stew in your ignorance for the next... Exactly. 15 seconds till you go to a computer and look it up. and then Right, and then the other thing in the opening scene, we see a, a child, Dinah Lance, having dreams and visions of these events, as we mentioned earlier. So that lays out the opening scene. Now, uh, before we started Which recording... Which was kind of confusing, because like the person who comes in to soothe her kind of looks like Barbara Gordon a little bit. Like She's got like kind of that same hair type-ish, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so like for a second, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. But mm-hmm. then I figured it out. Right. Now, the other uh, concept that comes up, and you and I talked about this before we started recording tonight when I asked you about uh, whether we were going to do any Project X, is the idea of the meta-human. Right. And, and that's something that, you know, now that we're coming up on Orphan Black, I think, is starting up again soon and everything. And, um, and if you're not watching Helix, right? No. But, you know, Helix also deals with this idea of, like, these superhuman, you know, humans that have genetically gone beyond. And, like, the X-Men, the same thing. So it's something, like, in our in our world today, um, with the increase of, of you know, our, our increased knowledge of genetics and our ability to manipulate them, that this idea, well, you know, in... Um, uh, uh, Oh well, you're not watching Almost Human either. All these shows that you're not you're not watching any of these shows that they deal with it. But Almost Human again deals with the same thing. And and, and I actually watched Gattaca last night too, the boot. So this whole th- like this is really like kind of a theme in my life recently of uh, um, that how 
in the 21st century, this idea of creating a, you know, people who are better uh, as humans, people who can be genetically engineered to, like in Gattaca, that they, they don't have diseases, you know, they're more intelligent, they're more physically capable, things like that. Right. Now, we don't know, though, like, for instance, uh, Huntress and Dinah Lance, they weren't at least at this point, we don't know that they've been genetically. Well, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying like I'm not saying that they were engineered that way, but right. they could be like the X Men. The mutants are born that have like, again because their genetics make them like they are metahumans. They're, they're you know they're they're better, and so like, like in Huntress's case, her eyes turn to cats, and then she can like jump crazy distances. Well, Oracle explains it that. You know, metahumans have been able to access and use far more of their brain than most people. And that's, remember, they put uh, uh, Dinah Lance in that little machine and put the thing around her head. And they find right. out that she's, I think they said, over 50%, which was, you know, I, I think she said the average person uses, oh, I don't know, what was it, five or 10, something, something really small. We basically have two storylines, right? We see first Dinah Lance coming to New Gotham City. You know, she has these visions, doesn't know what they mean, and she's going to seek out her dreams and fulfill her destinies. And and along the way, on the bus ride in, she meets a ne'er-do-well. Now, you didn't recognize him, did you? I I mean, I, I didn't know. Of course you didn't, because you haven't seen Breaking Bad. Oh, but he's a dude, though, right? He is. See, Aaron I've Paul. seen that guy, though. Like, I know because he's he does like talk shows and you know and okay. everything. Yeah, Aaron Paul's the actor. Okay. He played Jesse in Breaking Bad, and uh, uh, you know this is obviously uh, you know ten years ten years or more uh, predating Breaking Bad, but uh, you know he comes up to her and he pretends Actually, I think to be Breaking her friend. Bad started in two thousand eight, didn't it? Did it? Oh, okay. I think so. because you know what? Because uh, the fifth season like is on Netflix now, so now it's official. I can start watching Breaking Bad. Okay, but well, I haven't got into it yet, though. Well, she runs again, runs into him later in the city because apparently he invited her to a party, and being the naive country bumpkin that apparently she is, she decided to go down this darkened alley yeah. uh, to follow the address, and and of course he's up to no good, and that's when she has her encounter with. Uh, Huntress, who you know comes to her rescue, but the big thing is when she sees the guy run in front of the bus, right, right, and then goes to comfort him, and right. she sees. Uh, now, if you can explain to me what all those rats meant, I haven't the slightest idea. Yeah, and he's you know uh, she she's holding his hand, and and that's her thing. She has, uh, I guess, touch vision. But yeah, I, I think the rats probably that you know what these people see in some way kind of taps into like their kind of deepest fears and and, and everything you know um, right and, well and i think the other thing with with in the, this scene is that on the one hand we see this naive girl that that you know takes a phone number from some guy she meets on a bus and goes down a darkened alley and yet she's not afraid to get involved and to help somebody that she doesn't know in this big city. So, you know, certainly that says something for her character at this point. Right. And there's definitely something, whatever she's, you know, because the guy asks her on, on the bus, are you running to something or away from something? And she, you know, she says, I'm running to something, which that's true. But she's right. obviously running away from something as well. That is pretty bad because, you know, she's like, 
really willing to do some pretty dangerous things like right away in order to get accepted into this this little group here right and i you know the the characters the three three female characters that that form the team uh Dinah Huntress and Oracle you know, they're they're just. I think the scenes together, especially when they first meet, are are really priceless. I mean, you know, Huntress comes down and saves her, and Dinah basically thanking her, touches her wrist, and then can see visions of Huntress, and immediately feels, I don't want to say at home, but certainly feels like I'm in the right place. Right. Well, she hadn't she seen them already? Like that, they were the people she was looking for. Well, yeah, she'd seen the vision before, but you know, now she knew for sure right. that this is actually that that person yes. I saw in the vision, and I've made contact with them. Uh, so, you know, uh, primarily this gets her into Gotham City, and you know, we see her resourcefulness when she tracks down. You know, that, that she basically follows Huntress, even though Huntress claims that she's it's impossible no, no to follow. Way. Her. No way she followed me. The, the the B story is kind of a procedural and, you know, we've got this this random men are killing themselves for no seeming reason, you know, whether, you know, walking in front of a bus or, you know, whatever. And that's when we're introduced to Mia Sarah's character, Dr. Quinzel. And, you know, we, we find and I, I think my favorite character, though, has to be Huntress court mandated to see the psychiatrist because she has anger management uh, problems. And, you know, we find out that uh, Dr. Quinzel, as you mentioned, is not who she seems to be and actually has a plan to take over the city. And she has perhaps the best line of the entire show. It, uh, never send a businessman to do a psychopath's job. Absolutely. Is that it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely the, the, one, of the, one of the best lines of the season. Yeah, yeah. That was um, good. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so we're, you know, we're, we're certainly... Uh, introduced to Huntress, you know, they've made the connection. And, and she's, you know, like, I got the impression from that scene that she was a teenager, because especially she's like the, you know, you don't know me, and she's like, you know, kind of the pouty, moody, teenager-type archetype. And then, um, you know, and then she's a bartender, so it's like, well, okay, so she's not a teenager. Right, and they they have their day jobs, and, and we find out that Barbara Gordon slash Oracle is an English teacher by day. Yeah, but apparently her class only involves writing the names of authors up on the board. Yes. And, it's like, uh, what what kind of class was she running here? Like, she just has a bunch of names of authors on the board. Like, yes, Jane Eyre, Jane Austen. Yes, Jane Austen was an author. Yes, William Shakespeare. Yes, very good, Johnny. William well, Shakespeare was good. It was you know? probably an assignment where they Ernest had to Ernest Hemingway, yes. Ernest Hemingway was an author, too. Let's, let's do this for research the next topics. 50 Come minutes. On. Come on, you're, you're making English teachers look bad. Come on. Um, so, you know, we see her, and in fact, though, once Dinah's brought into the fold, one of the requirements is that she go to school and start her training. Right. The, uh, the other, I guess, conflict with Huntress is that she knows Bruce Wayne is her father, but rejects his wealth. And, and at this point, we don't really know why. We, you know, we do find out that Bruce Wayne's wealth has paid for the vast computer array right. that is, uh, you know, monitored by uh, Oracle. And well, you know, I mean, least- she's got, she, you know, she's got very complex kind of feelings toward her father. You know, like where you know she understands that he didn't even know she existed, so it's, she can't really blame him for not being involved in her life. But 
then again, she's pissed, so she you know blames people, even if it's unjustified. Well, and I think at this point, with with all we do know, that it's it's reasonable to think that maybe she blames him for abandoning the city. Yes, very likely you know, that too. Yeah, and then, they, then there's the whole superhero angle to it as well. You know, so right. Um, so you already mentioned that she moonlights as a bartender in a trendy club. Uh, sound familiar? Uh, and maybe they got that from. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff from Arrow that, like, I mean, we, we mentioned the fight scenes already, but I mean, it seems like a lot of stuff. The the show. Not, I'm not saying it's derivative at all. At any oh way, no, but absolutely certainly not. See that it might have borrowed some elements from from this show. Yeah, and I think if you're a big comic book fan, I mean, I would think it's a plus. And, yeah. I, I, you know, and like we mentioned earlier on, is this the same Dinah Lance? Well, yeah, clearly it's the same Dinah Lance. And then, uh, but I don't want to get into, well, if she's this age, then she has to be, whatever. Talking about complex characters, because Oracle, I mean, she seems to come across as, you know, fairly head on straight. You know, this is our job. This is what we need to do. Let's let's play by the rules. Do what we need to do. Whereas Huntress is kind of the loose cannon, the wild card, if you will. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. And 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 that's kind of because, again, you know, the fact that uh, Barbara is kind of constrained to her wheelchair, and the Huntress is the one with the super abil- human abilities to jump and fight and all this stuff. Yeah, and I like that one scene where. Uh, you know that uh, you know the whole idea of killing yourself comes up, and Oracle says to her that you know I I know you wouldn't kill yourself, and she says I resent that. I'm as broody and self-destructive as the next girl. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, again, is this aimed at a younger audience? Of course, absolutely. Um, you know, do people our age like it? Yeah. I mean, I thought I, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, Helena. You know, when she reveals that she learned her her father had a whole other life and her response was, well, it was more like an aggressive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. There was, there was a lot of good lines and there was even, I'm trying to find out, like there's a very um, lost girl type line here. What the, she says, uh, I guess was, was when the, oh, she scares off the, the dude, the creepy dude from Breaking Bad. Right. And then she says, I hate a man with no endurance. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's, that's a total lost girl, like, you know, double entendre type line. Oh, absolutely. And there's there's even one more because we, we then get that scene where Helena is trying to, again, what, what they're trying to do is figure out, you know, who's killing all these men. And they, they get it down to that there's one man left. I believe it was out of four. And it's a man that she knows that she basically grew up knowing this man. And she goes there, of course, in her, <laughs> I don't know what yeah. to call that outfit she's wearing. Well, and he, you know, and he even comments on it. Yeah. You know, there's, so when you're going to become a superhero, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's certain aesthetic elements you, and, and pragmatic ones as well, that you need to take into consideration. Right. So when you're designing a suit that should be optimal for the, what you are going to do, which in, you know, could involve hand-to-hand combat, jumping over rooftops and things like that. So I'm going to pick a really kind of lacy, low-cut shirt <laughs> as yeah. my outfit. That you know, I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm just, you know, it was it was 
Yeah, I guess maybe she said as a way to distract the bad guys or something. Well, you know, the the thing I did like about that is is that once we find out, you know, that she knew knew this guy and knew him well, and apparently the guy even thinks of her as a daughter. That you know, why you sneaking in? And in fact, Oracle brings that up that that fact up. It was still creepy. It was, but the other thing is that uh, when she goes to investigate and finds the one guy who's already dead, he's hanging. Right. And before she can get away, the police show up and, you know, they handcuff her to that one statue. And I guess we're kind of introduced to my my guess is this guy, this young cop, Reese. Yeah. Well, is, we didn't he was we didn't weren't introduced to him there because he was in he was in the scene where the guy jumped in front of the bus. Oh, right. True. That's right. Yeah. Right. But we didn't uh, he, we didn't uh, know his name, though. Right. So, you know, is he going to be the link to the Gotham City Police Department? I'm guessing that was not the last time we'll see him. And, you know, he, he kind of came across as a pretty cool character. And, you know, she goes with her explanation about, you know, fighting crime, saving people. Well, why aren't you carrying any weapons? I am the weapon. Yeah, I like that. I am the weapon. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. so we saw previously that she can, like, jump crazy distances and everything. So... She hears the police, like, leave, you know, yeah, go jump, you know, do superhero stuff. Don't yeah. hang around when the police are coming in. There's a dude hanging from. But well, you know, it was almost as if she was just playing with him. I mean, look, I mean, she clearly got out of the handcuffs, right? No problem, right? Leaps out of the window, no problem. So it was yeah. almost just a game for yeah, her. Yeah, true. Back to Rachel Scarson's character for a minute because, uh, you know, she's kind of, she's the new kid on the team and she's, you know, got no friends, doesn't know anybody, has no money, the clothes on her back. Uh, I guess she's probably got a, you know, small suitcase or whatever. But she's brought on board to be part of the team. And, you know, uh, Rachel Scarson, I mean, she is just I mean, she's adorable at this point. You know, again, I don't know. Is she 16, 17, 18 years old in real life? I mean, pl- yeah, clearly so they're— careful here, Dave. Right. Clearly they're <laughs> having her uh, appear to be still in high school because that's one of the things you still have to go to school as well as doing your training. Right, because also we need to have at least one or two plot points involving you getting, A, bullied at school, B, involved with a cute guy who's going to turn out to have some kind of other— identity or um, there's probably a C that I can't think of right now but right yeah. right if we were but doing basically, they get to have high school scenes now and she deals with high school stuff and the and trying to you know combine that with her secret life as a superhero and why is Dina so tired all or Dina so tired all the time and yeah so we're wondering if she's going to be go- attending the high school at which Dina teaches my Yes, I would. Yes. I would say absolutely yes. That's definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely going to happen. So she maybe she could be in her her English class, and then she can go and sit all day listing authors that they write on the board. Right, but you know the other the parallel that I noticed is that you know her character you know has these powers that she really doesn't understand. Not unlike Bo in the pilot episode of Lost Girl. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you know, we said there were. Besides Rachel Scarson, there are definitely lost girl connections here, and there's that's a big one, right? The of her not really understanding her power, starting a new life in a new place uh, with friends, the first people she meets, basically, um, stuff like that. So right, right, and and the whole search for identity thing, you know, who who am I? I mean, 
Um, were these my real parents? I mean, look, again, we don't really know. We haven't watched ahead. So, uh, but yeah, maybe we should make a prediction section uh, segment for next time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, well, we got one that, you know, that you, you're the first one to say it, that, you know, that she will go to the school that, that Barbara teaches at. Okay. And, um, yeah, but that's kind of a softball, but I'll yeah, take it. Yeah. If it comes true, I'll take the point. And, 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 and in mind that they're, they're, we're going to be dealing with all kinds of little high school issues. But again, that's like kind of probably obvious, right? So. You know, she's going to kick a bully's ass. How about that? Okay, there you go. Right. There you go. So, and uh, she will become in, interested, at least, in a boy who will turn out to be some kind, not necessarily a bad guy, but maybe, oh, maybe Oliver. Oh, Maybe Oliver Queen, and I have not looked at IMDb, so I don't know if Oliver Queen is in this. But All I know right. there is, I'm pretty sure I read, there's a Dinah Lance, Oliver Queen thing, in like the comic books. Oh. They were involved. So I'm thinking that we might see a young Oliver Queen at this high school. Oh, I'm going to make that prediction. I'm going right. for that. All right. Sounds good. So, all right. Anything else? Well, I just want to say that it is like... As as the show went on, it wasn't so much so bad. But when I first saw Rachel Scarson, it was really tough. Even though she's a lot younger, it was tough not to see Tamsin uh, in like their facial movements and everything like that. Um, but then after you know after time passed in this episode, then I started seeing her as you know like as a separate character, not just as like a little Tamsin. Yeah, I mean, once you get you know immersed in their world, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So, but, uh, all right. Well, listen, you guys can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com, where, once again, you can leave us a speak pipe message. Thanks to Michael at work. Yeah. Showed, me, showed me the errors of my way. You can just click the green tab at the right side of the page and send us a voicemail. Uh, leave something on Facebook for us. Still trying to throw out the occasional tweet to let you guys know what's happening, although... I'm about 50-50 on actually being accurate with my tweets. Uh, And as most of the listeners are likely doing, continue to access us through iTunes. So until next time where we'll take a look at episode two of Birds of Prey. Dave, you know, you're way cooler than I ever was. 